We used to be cool, a podcast for moms. We hope you'll join us each week as we pause the craziness to remember that we're not alone and that being a mom is actually really cool. Hey guys, welcome back to We Used to Be Cool, um, a podcast for moms. We're so happy that you're listening. And tonight we have one of my favorite people, Sorinda Moulton, is here. She is a mom of seven and just an amazing person. She's hilarious and so fun. So I'm so excited for you to get to hear from her. So Sorinda, thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. So we'll just let you start if you want to and just kind of tell us um, who you are, where you live, your husband, your kids, all that stuff. All right. Well, I'm Sorinda Moulton and I'm, like she said, the mother of seven. We live in Wilmington, North Carolina. We've been here almost 10 years. So before that, we lived in Orlando and my husband and I both grew up in Atlanta. But um, we have six boys and one girl. We had three boys and another girl and then, I mean, one girl and then three more boys. So we have three boys on either side of our one girl. So our children range in age from uh, 26 to 11. So we had uh, seven kids in 15 years. So, Mm -hmm. and it's been awesome. Um, But it has been a challenge at times. And um, you know, you have to like find the blessing sometimes in the midst of the struggle. Absolutely. Did you always know you wanted to have a big family? No. In high school, I said I was going to get pregnant once and have a boy and a girl at the same time and then be done with that <laughs> and have a career. So <laughs> my best friend and I, we had it all figured out. We were going to have be pregnant only once and have twins, one boy and a girl at the same time. <laughs> but yeah, that's not really how that works. So And even when Eric and I first got married, we said we'd have like two or three. And then every time I had a baby, I just wanted to have another one. So that's how that worked. I love that. And I feel the same way. It's like, I just can't imagine it being your last baby. It seems so, I don't know. I don't know how you ever feel like, okay, we're good. Unless you get to seven, I guess. (laughs) And you're like, this feels right. Yeah, like when I got to Ike was the first time I felt like, okay, I'm good. Like it just felt complete. And I know some people that's after two kids and some people it's after three, but it took me seven. And it was funny because it took me um, convincing my husband. After we got to two, he was kind of like good. And I had to really convince him to have the third one. And then, you know, then he kind of rolled with it for a while. Um, but then after we had the seventh one, he was the one would be like, you want to have another baby? And I was like, no, I don't. I'm good. We're good. I'm good. Seven's good. <laughs> oh, my god! How many bedrooms do you guys have in your house? Uh, well, we have five upstairs and then Eric and I have a bedroom downstairs, but two of those little those bedrooms are like attic bedrooms that have been turned in from attic rooms to bedrooms. So uh, most of the kids, um, when they were little, now when we first had our kids, let's see, even when we brought the seventh one home, we only lived in a three bedroom house that we had converted like the, um, it was a lanai in Florida to a four bedroom. So everyone always shared when they were little, mm-hmm. but when we moved to Wilmington, we found a house that had five bedrooms upstairs and the one downstairs. So most of the kids got their own room as they got older, but that was kind of uh, decided by age. You know, as they became teenagers, we tried to give them their own space. Yeah, that's smart. That's so good. I was actually, that's kind of leads me to a question because my biggest thing with having a lot of kids, I want to have, I have three now and I want to have more, but my thing is like, how do you make each kid feel like they are 
loved and valued and important, even in the midst of one of being one of seven? Like, how do y'all like? Were th- what were things that you did, especially when they were little, to just make them like one? I guess is giving them a room when they get older, letting them have their own space. But like, were there other things y'all did that just made them feel like this is your day? Like maybe their birthdays or something. Yeah, so there's a couple things I did. Um, well, so as soon as they were born, even before they were born, usually when I was pregnant with them, I got a journal for each of them. So I write letters to each of them, like from the time they're in my womb until they are adults. Like could be like if the first couple, I would write letters often, like really often, like a few times a year. But as we had more and more and it was, became less and less time to do that, I would always make sure I'd write a special letter to them on their birthday or whatever. Just like what they were going through, what their struggles were, what their joys were in life, just like little things that they could read and they would have, you know, even after I was gone. So that's one thing. So their diaries are like little journals and they they really enjoy that like after they grow up. But I still have all of them because my older son, he lives out in L.A. and he's like, I don't, I want you to keep it because I don't want it to get lost. So and even now I'll still write a letter every once in a while to them. So, that's so I sweet. do that for them kind of just so they have something. Just, you know, you just never know, you know, life is so fragile and I just always wanted them to have words of like, and like, if I feel like God's putting something on my heart to like share with them, I'll put it in the journal or if they're going through a tough time and I'll put something in the journal for them. So, and also just like things that are important, like, I don't know, like my son, like when he was being recruited for football, like I would take like the little name tags and I'd put those in there, just little things that I think that would mean something to them. That's one thing we do. And then another thing, I try to find something that I do with each of my kids. It's like just our thing. And it's kind of hard, but like one of my kids, we did a couple of my boys, we did baseball with. So that would be their thing they did with me. Cause Eric with him being a pastor, he couldn't really take the weekends off, but I would take the weekends and take them to travel ball tournaments and stuff like that. And then like, you know, maybe um, like Ruby and I had cheerleading. It was usually like something that we did together. That was like our thing. And we would do it by ourselves. So I just try to find some little thing to do with each kid that's kind of like your thing with them and that they don't do with the other siblings. And the more you have, the harder it is. But I just would always, and for our kids, because our kids are, most of them are really sporty. So it usually always ended up being some kind of sporting thing. And those are like big memories for them. Like as they grow up, like now that we have four adult children, they'll say, oh, remember when we did this? Or remember when we did that? You know, and those things are important to them. And, like, a couple of my boys, it's just was taking them fishing. Like, they would want to go around town, and I would just take them fishing and let them fish and those kind of things. So, um, you know, just finding something that they enjoy and trying to make it your thing with them. I love that. And I think that's yeah. that's good advice, too, because it's not like finding something extra. It's like what they're already into, what they're already doing. Just make it your thing with them. Mm-hmm. Like, not trying to find something different. Like, okay, now, what? okay, they're already doing baseball, so what can be our thing? Instead of just being like, okay, our baseball's our thing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just, yeah. What is that thing? So that's what I tried to do, you know, have something that I could connect with each kid. And, you know, some kids are easier when you have a big family, some kids you connect with easier, maybe because their interests are more similar to yours, but you just have to find something that you can connect with. Even like my younger kids, sometimes they like to play like Pokemon and stuff like that. And they'll be like, can you take me Pokemoning? You know, like little things like that. And sometimes they'll want their brother to come and that's fine. But just figuring out something that kind of makes them feel special and even like it's just going to get ice cream like ruby and i do because she's the only girl so once a week we go out to, to dinner by ourselves and it's like our girl time so you know just whatever it is that works for you as a parent and i've had friends that have done this and it can just be simple things like walking the dog or something like that but that's like their thing with you mm-hmm. so 
trying to figure out things like that to do with your kids. I think it's important. Yeah. And I've heard um, on a podcast before, like about how important it is, like you were saying about Pokemon to just like take interest in that and just like listen to them talk. If that's what your boys want to talk about is Pokemon, like just pretend you're interested in it, even if <laughs> yeah, you're not. Yeah, it's like and super it's- nerdy and you're like totally not interested and you're like, okay, yeah, like you have no idea what they're saying, but you pretend like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Or even like a TV show, like, or some kind of thing that they like, you know, like my daughter loves Taylor Swift, like which girl's you know what girls in this world don't but I mean I I like Taylor Swift I don't love her like Ruby does but you know I took her and like four of her friends to Atlanta to the concert and it was really fun you know and just finding things that you can connect with them on and you know it means a lot and making those memories with each kid is important I think making sure they have a place where they feel like they have those deep memories with their family Mm -hmm. but also with just the the parents so I love that. Speaking of memories, do you guys have any like traditions that you love? I feel like this is kind of a random question, but yeah, we have a few things that we do. So we always, which is, this has always been stressful. And I think for the last 20 years, I say every year, I'm not going to do it next year, (laughs) but it means so much to the kids. We do it. We go to Eric's parents' house and, and celebrate Christmas there in Atlanta. So it's like literally because Eric has to do Christmas Eve services. It's literally getting up every Christmas at like six o'clock loading everyone into the car and driving to Atlanta. So for me, it's always super stressful. And I'm kind of like, Oh, do we have to do this again? But the kids love it. And every time I talk about not doing it, they're like, why we always do that. That's what we do. So I mean, we have things like that. We also do something on their birthdays called birthday affirmations, where when it's their birthday, everyone around the table goes around and tells that person why they love them and why they're so important to them. So um, that's something that we always do as a family. Um, and then we have some other things like a Christmas. Eric's family is Norwegian. Like his grandparents came from Norway. And so we make these things called krumkakas. They're like these little things that are Norwegian treats at, at Christmas. So, you know, we try to do, I'm not like the most, like some people are like have to have a tradition for every holiday. That's not really me. But um, I do try to have a few things that we always do. But the birthday affirmations, I think is something we started. And it just has become a tradition. And even as the older kids are out of the house, they'll call in and FaceTime and give the affirmations to the younger kids or whatever. So, I mean, I think that's kind of something special to think back on. Yes, I love that. That's so sweet. It's so good. I love that too. I've been thinking that about, it's funny that you say that about Christmas and going like even with all of your kids to Atlanta because um, my husband's family only lives in Raleigh. And I feel like uh-huh. all my clients are like, well, you know, as your kids get older, you're going to have to, because we usually go to Raleigh, we flip-flop Thanksgiving and Christmas, but they're like, you're going to have to just, you know, say, this is my family and we're going to stay here and we're going to do our Christmas here. And I'm like, well, honestly, my kids love it. Like so far, Fletcher's only three, but yeah. like, he loves to be in Raleigh and loves to be, he's got 17 cousins. So it's like so much fun to be there. And I love that you guys did that and didn't just be like, no, we're staying home and y'all can come if you want. Like, I think that's just good for me to hear, especially yeah. as Christmas is coming again. Cause truly everyone tells me, when are you going to start staying at home? You know, all my clients who. Yeah. Well, so we really made, they, they like yeah, my kids like it too because on the 24th is like their Christmas. So oh, we cool. still do the wake up in the morning. And we never really did Santa with our kids. We just did that wasn't something that we did. Not that we're against it. it just We just didn't do that. So we would do the 24th. They would wake up and that would be their Christmas morning. So oh. And then we'd have church on Christmas Eve night. And then they'd go to Atlanta. And then they'd have a whole other Christmas with grandma and all their cousins. So, you know, it just became our tradition. I don't think if you asked me 20 years ago, if we would do that, I would say, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. But it just worked out and it became something that kids like, I mean, last year, I remember telling the kids, we're not going to do this. We're going to flip flop it and we're going to go to Atlanta for Thanksgiving and not for Christmas. 
And I remember Ruby, who's 18, was like, no, we can't do that. Like, that's, you're messing up my childhood. Like, I was like, what? Like, she did this whole thing. She was like, you're messing up my whole childhood. That's a tradition. We're not changing that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> she has been very opinionated about it. But anyway. That's so funny. Um, another thing I was thinking about, and I mentioned this to you earlier so you could think about it and it's because I want to start this at my house. It's not about traditions, but I'm trying to figure out ways. And I feel like with seven kids, you had to have them teaching them responsibility and like helping out around the house. And I want to do that with Murphy and even Moses now. And Hannah and I've been talking about, like we heard on a podcast this week about what is, what are things that you're doing for your kids that they could be doing for themselves. And so we're trying to like come up with things to teach them how to be like a member of the family that's contributing and helping so did y'all have chores or a responsibility chart or things like that to get everybody to do what they were supposed to do or how did you manage that yes so we did um but I will confess that I did too much for my older couple kids so um, in some ways they're not as independent as some of the younger ones but um (laughs) we did have chore charts when they were little and then we also did like rewards where we would have like the jar where you put marbles in it. And once it was full, they would like get to go to the store and buy a toy or we would do star stickers. They did their stuff. So we had different ways of like indicating what they had done. But what we've come to um, probably in the last five to eight years is much more simplistic where everybody just has a job and that is their job for the family. And they have to do that. Like one kid is the garbage, the garbage guy. The other kid is like the dishes. They have to do the other person is the laundry. They have to bring all the dirty laundry downstairs. Um, every I do all the laundry, but their stack, everybody's responsible for putting their stack up. But every person that lives under the roof has a job that is their job that they have to do for the family. It's like part of, and like we even have like one person is the pet person. So they have to make sure the pets have food and clean out the litter box and those kind of things. So everybody has a job and that's their contribution to the family. And like we don't, we've never really done, um, like giving them like money allowance or stuff like that. We would always just reward them. If it, you know, it would, to us, it was important that they knew that this is a family and everyone has to do something. You know, we all have to work hard. Now they're always responsible for making sure the room is clean. And like the upstairs, they have their own bathroom. So they have to clean that on the weekend. I make them clean it up before they can go anywhere. But yeah, so everybody has one single tour that they have to do. Um, and that's their contribution to the family. And then they're responsible for laundry, their own, like putting their laundry away and making sure their room is clean. So those are kind of just some things that we did. But when they were little, we worked with alpha, more of a reward system, like with the marbles or either with the stars and making sure that, you know, they would have, once they got their star chart for whatever, we would go to the store and they get an action figure or whatever it was they wanted. But now it's more like, this is your contribution to the family. And, you know, this is your part and you have to, you know, pull your weight around here. Do you have that on rotation or is that their permanent job? Well, we've tried different ways. So we sometimes, like if people are like, I'm sick of being in the garbage van, can we change jobs? Then we will change jobs. But um, some people like their job. Like some people are like, I'm the laundry man and I'm good with that. And I want to keep that job. So (laughs) we kind of, we do family meetings. (laughs) I do a family meeting. We used to do them a lot more. But we have family meetings about once a week, and so we can discuss stuff like that. And people are like, can we change jobs? Then I'll rearrange jobs or whatever. Because <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, so. I was like, whoever this dishes guy is, that's <laughs> terrible for him. It's like, your permanent yeah, well, job, you have to do all the dishes. Had, <laughs> yes, that is the one job that people always want to get out of. Yeah. So Ruby was, uh, Morgan was the dish person for a while, and then when he went off to college, Ruby became the dish person for a while and now Rudy's off at college and Morgan's back home so he's back at the dishes so 
Yeah, the dishes <laughs> is no one's favorite job. Yeah. So. Especially with nine people now. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I wish I was the person because I have lots of friends that make their kids rinse off their dishes and put them in the dishwasher themselves. But I just have never been able to get them to do that. So the dish court person at the end of the day has to, you know. <laughs> pull their weight and get it done so oh my god tell, tell us more about your family meeting um when do you do that and how long is it <laughs> well there's two reasons so we'll do them like occasionally like well if there's an issue like we're having a problem like people are having attitudes or there's some kind of issue we'll have a family meeting it'll be like family meeting everybody come down and we'll you know figure out what we need to talk about <laughs> but a lot of times it's just for logistics okay so to say like okay this is what you need to do this is what you need to do and this is what we need to get done this weekend in order to get things smoothly going for next week. Or, um, so sometimes it's logistical. Sometimes it's like a come to Jesus. Like, you know, and Eric loves to do a Devo at the end. Like, he's real big about, like, throwing that in there. I'm usually, like, more of the, like, taskmaster. Okay, listen, this house is like a, a bomb went off, and you got, like, 30 minutes to clean it. And this is what you're going to do, and this is what you're going to do, and this is what you're going to do. That's more me. Like, I'm like, you guys are baseboards. You guys are, you know, <laughs> cleaning windows, and I just, you know, will sign it and say we need a family meeting. So, and you know, some of my boys are like, oh my gosh, I hate family meetings because they know a family <laughs> meeting means that they're going to have to do something. So, anyway, um, but it just depends. And like I said, we used to do a weekly family meeting, but now it's kind of as needed. So, we don't have it, the kids are getting older now, so we don't need quite as many as we used to. So, anyway, when everyone was home, it was there were a weekly meeting. And this is what we need to do. And this is what we're, we're struggling with. And this is what we're doing well and that kind of stuff. So, you know, that. just kind of touch base. So, yeah, it's really good. And then you said Eric would do a Devo at the end. Yeah, he always has to throw that in, you know, being the pastor <laughs> that he is. Like, I'm over here, like, yelling at them about, you know, like, you need to be nice to your brother. Like, this is unacceptable, the way you're treating your brother. And then Eric's like, let us return and read about treating each other, you know, with respect, you know, and he's like. Who would like to pray? You know, he's very, you know, pastoral. And sometimes I'm like a little bit more like, okay, why are you being a jerk? Like, stop, you know. So, <laughs> that is so anyway. funny. I've met, was- only met him twice or a couple times, but um, he just seems so nice and sweet. Yeah, he is like <laughs> super nice and sweet and That's- like, you know, gentle. And he did these things for the kids when they were little. So I told you about all the things I did to make them special. But Eric would do this, like, he would make them these binders with like, these Bible studies in them and they he would call it like journey book brothers and stuff like that and he would do like weekly Bible studies with them and like where they would come down every night and it was only like 10 or 15 minutes but he put a lot of work into doing that so he would do a, a lot more spiritual formation I mean not that I didn't do some of that but that was really his thing that he loved to do with kids so they have a funny joke and Eric will probably be mad I saw it but <laughs> So, you know, he takes the stuff serious, you know, and they usually do too, but they were goofing, the older three boys were like just goofing around and Eric had probably had a hard day and he just put the little ones to bed and he was trying to do this journey, but brother was, <laughs> and, uh, I don't know, they were goofing around and he just got mad and he slammed the Bible down and it like broke, <laughs> the binding broke. So they'll always say like, dad, remember that time you broke the Bible and, you know, anyway, <laughs> Oh they don't gosh. let him live that one down. So anyway, <laughs> but yeah, so we, you know, he likes to do that, and he'll do. He's doing it now with the little boys. So um, they do similar things where he'll bring him down, and he'll like when over COVID because Eric. Funny thing is, I'm the English teacher, but Eric's more the reader. So um, he over COVID he read the whole Narnia series and the whole Lord of the Rings series to the little three boys. Oh. So he would like go up in their rooms and read to them for like 45 minutes before they went to bed. 
so you know they have but uh, sometimes you would read them things and i'd be like why are you that is not age appropriate you know they'd have like nightmares i'm like why are you reading this she's like this is a great book i'm like yeah but not for a seven-year-old what are you doing i don't know but anyway oh my gosh that's so, so sweet but yeah i love that try to you know but you know i think they'll always when they grow up remember how their dad read to them you know so i think that's really sweet definitely but he, he's read them all kinds of things any kind of great literature Eric has read it to the boys. (laughs) Just because we're already on the topic of Eric, what do you feel like has been like, I mean, having seven kids, how have y'all remained in a healthy marriage? Like what are things that you've done or not done that's just kind of helped y'all stay close? Because I feel like you are still very close and it's from the outside looking in, it seems like you love each other and you get along well and all those pieces. And obviously you're a good team. So how did y'all kind of figure that out? Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, there's a few things, but ultimately, you know, Eric's my best friend. And I think making sure that we had that connection was important. I think it's so easy to, like, invest in other friendships and not your spouse. But if you don't invest in this friendship with your spouse, then it can really damage your marriage. So I think, you know, a lot of, unfortunately, I think one of the side effects of having so many children is that you lose a lot of close friendships. It's not like you lose them, but you don't really have the time to cultivate close girlfriend uh, friendships in a way that you would have if you had not had seven kids. Mm -hmm. So I think that just making sure that I'm always spending, you know, sharing things with him and not just with everyone else. Not that you can't share with other people, but making sure that friendship is like, he's my person, you know, and him knowing that he's my person. And then also, I think um, we always like when the kids were little, like we would do Friday night date night or maybe Thursday night, we would pick one night a week where we went on a date, no matter what was going on. So like, we were poor, of course. We had, like, no money when the kids were little. And um, so, like, there was sometimes churches would do, like, Mom's Day Out or whatever. And they'd be, like, $10 to bring your whole family. So we'd bring, like, three <laughs> or four of the kids. We would drop them off for, like, two or three hours and then just go out to eat or something. But, you know, just making sure that we had at least one time a week where we could really just stop and connect with each other was important to us. And then, you know, like, even now, like, Eric comes up and brings me lunch at school and we have like 20 minutes and I just go sit in the car with him and we just talk for like 20 minutes just having some time every day to connect you know how's your day what's going on with you you know what can I do is there anything you need from me that kind of stuff I think it's just really key to having a strong marriage because I think what happens with a lot of people and I've seen this with some of my own friends is that you know we get so invested in our kids life that you know our kids grow up and they move away and then we have a stranger with us that we don't even really know because we haven't invested any time in that person in 20 years. So, you know, we just do what we have to do to put each other first. And, you know, and I'm very much one of those moms that's always has to be there for my kids and my kids are vitally important in my life. But, you know, as my kids have gotten older and some of them have left the house, it's like you realize that, hey, that how important that marriage is because that's foundational. And, um, you know, they're all leaving, you know, they're going to find significant others of their own and they're going to move on. And if you don't have that relationship with your spouse, then, you know, it's it's going to be a lonely place, you know, between the two of you. So, so we true. try to do that. Tell me what, um, I should have asked this at the beginning, but I've been wondering it the whole time. What are all of your kids' names? I love knowing people's okay. kids' yep. names. Trent, Trent, Reese, Morgan, Ruby, Jude, Zeke, and Ike. So Zeke's <laughs> name is Ezekiel and Ike's name is Isaac. Um, and then Morgan was name was John Morgan and we were going to call him John Morgan because his grandfather and his godfather, both John. And then Morgan was Eric's mom's maiden name. And it's also Eric's middle name. So we were just going to call him John Morgan. And, um, he was, we called him that and he was about 
probably about 18 months old to two years old. And he looked at us and he said, I'm Morgan. So we're like, okay, you're Morgan, (laughs) which is kind of funny because most people with the name Morgan now are girls. So, but he kind of decided he was Morgan. So all of our kids have like a, um, we we put a lot of, you know, stock in what the meanings of the names meant. So each of them have like a biblical name and then a name that we picked out because we liked what what it meant. So Trent's name is Trenton Josiah. And then Reese is Samuel Reese. And then um, Morgan is John Morgan. And then Ruby is Ruby Faye. And then um, who's next? Jude. Jude we, is from the Bible, but Raymond was his grandfather's name. And then Ezekiel Anders and then Isaac Winston. Winston's my dad's little name. So we tried to give them names that, you know, they had a biblical name and then also a name that was meant something that we thought was meaningful. So That's cool. I love that. I love Ruby's name. It's such a good name. Yeah. And I got to teach Ruby, listeners, for those who don't know, and she's amazing. So I don't know all of Serena's kids, but the ones I do know are great That's, people. Yeah, Ruby. Is, well, actually, Reese, I mean, Trent came home from school. He was probably in second grade when I was pregnant with Ruby, first or second grade. And he said, Mom, I read this book. What do you think about the name Ruby? And it's called Ruby's Gift, I think. And anyway, it's about this little Chinese girl who lives in a very patriarchal society. And all she wants to do is go to school with the boys and go to the university. And so anyway, it's about her journey to get there. So when she wrote her college essay, she talked about that, how her brother had brought that name for her parents and then how she had kind of like, it had followed her journey, you know, living in a world with boys and then her desire, you know, to go and, you know, start a career and be educated in those things and how she related to the little girl. But anyway. Wow, that is it's so a cute. Sweet little book. Yeah. I love so anyway. that. That just reminded me because you were talking about all your kids and how different they are. What are some of the ways that y'all, especially when they were little, I would say like kind of in our, our stage, zero to five, what were some things that helped you when it came to discipline and just kind of teaching them the rules and kind of maintaining that, like helping them get along with each other and just doing what, doing the right thing. I'm sure they didn't all follow the same path and, you know, the same things don't work for every kid. So I just wonder like, what were some things that did kind of work across the board or, you know, how did you find find that balance? Yeah, I think when they're little, like, I mean, when we first had Trent, you know, we were young, we were like 24. We were in a congregation where everybody was like about, you know, spare the world, pull the child, you know, spank them, spank them, spank them. And um, we did a little bit of that, but I learned quickly when Reese came that that wasn't really going to work with him. Like I would have had to like hurt him in order for him to comply because he was just a tough kid and he was just like, what's that all you got? You got something else for me, you know? <laughs> so we kind of switched gears pretty quickly from that. Um, and I think just finding what it is that they love and what makes them tick, that's what you got to do. Like once you figure that out, then you can figure out what their currency is, you know? So once you figure out what they love, then you say, okay, if you want to play baseball or if you want to, um, you know, be on your iPad or whatever it is. I mean, we didn't have iPads back then, but, you know, whatever it is that are, you know, if you want to watch, you know, Teletubbies or whatever it is that you need to do what mommy says, you know, I think using those kind of things and the things that they love for currency is that I think kids respond more to that than they do to being fake. Because if you get a kid that's a strong-willed kid or that's a, a challenge, a kid that's um, tough, you know, I don't know. I just, I mean, I'm not, I mean, to each his own with that kind of stuff, but we just found quickly that that probably wasn't the best, that wasn't going to work the best for us. So we found ways of like, but also like my scripture that I turn to when I think about um, parenting is uh, uh, the Bible says that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. So I just think developing those close-knit relationships with the children really helps them to like 
when people know that you love them, then they want to do what you ask them to do. So I found that to be pretty effective with most of my kids. I mean, they had their moments, but we also had like this thing, Eric and I make fun and laugh at it now, but we found it at some garage sale. But this lady had laminated this chart. It was called the brother offended checklist. So like you go over and like say like what to do if you don't want to share and you go over there and it would have a little scripture why you should share with your brother. And like we would actually take them to that and do that when they were little and, and that was pretty, that worked pretty well. And they still have it on Amazon if anyone's interested because Eric and I were laughing about it the other day and I looked <laughs> it up and it's still on Amazon. But, you know, just, I, you know, just, and also just realizing that kids are kids and they're not going to be perfect and, you know, just trying to redirect sometimes and, and love on them. And I mean, I've heard a lot of teaching about like kids, you know, slow obedience is not obedience at all um, and things like that. But I just feel like building those strong bonds with your children and loving them that it's when it says God's kindness leads us to repentance. I think it's the same way with your kids. You know, mm-hmm. if they know how much you love them and that you have good intentions for them, for the most part, they're going to do what you ask them to do. I mean, that's what I found to be true. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always exceptions, but for the most part, we found that when they were little, you know, I mean, sharing and things like that are just part of human nature. I love the reminder about the Lord. And it's so true that that's what makes us want to repent is that he's so kind to us and we know that he loves us. And I think that that's such a good reminder when it comes to disciplining our kids, because it's so, I don't know, like you said, it's sometimes the, there, you know, the Christian culture is the whole, like you said, spare the rod, spoil the child kind of mentality instead of that, like you said about, you know, building that relationship with them and keeping our, letting them know how much, how loved they are. And I think, as I know you're good at this and I, our parents were really good at that too. Like we wanted to please them, you know, it was like, because we knew yeah. they loved us and we knew that they wanted what was best for us. And so we really did try hard to, to please them. We, the, our biggest fear was disappointing them. You know, it wasn't. Yeah. And when your kids, what'd you say? Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it wasn't getting in trouble that we were scared of. We were scared of letting them down. And my dad was so good at making us like, we could feel when we had done that, when we had disappointed him, hurt way worse than yeah. any punishment or consequence. Yeah, see, I was, I grew up in a very authoritative home. My dad was very authoritative. And I think that, you know, now, I mean, now that my parents are older, I have a relationship with them, but it's not, but as a child, I never really felt like there was a relationship. They always kind of felt like I was in the way and that, you know, you mm. just were always never knew when you were going to get, you know, whooped and what was going to happen next and those kind of things. So, I don't know. I just didn't want that for my kids. I didn't want them to grow up in a place where they had to feel like they were walking on eggshells and that they didn't know when they were going to get smacked next. And I just, I wanted to have a relationship with my kid. And I think sometimes we have to really choose our battles and pray about things before we see something our kids struggling with, because, um, you know, the relationship is so foundational, you know, like when they get older, you want them, you want to have that relationship. And I've had so many friends who, you know, as they've gotten older and maybe they've grown up in more authoritative Christian homes, they struggle to have relationships with their parents. And, you know, I just didn't want that for my kids. I wanted, you know, always to maintain that relationship. And, you know, even our kids that are grown now, you know, sometimes they do things that, you know, maybe it's not what we would have wanted them to do or exactly the way, you know, we felt that they should do. But it's just maintaining that relationship and knowing that, you know, they're God's kids and that, that's something that, that God's going to have to work in them. You know, he's going to have to figure, they're going to have to figure that out with the Lord and making sure that they understand how key the relationship is with the Lord and having that relationship for themselves and not just teaching them to 
just regurgitate what it is that you believe. You know, I think having a true and authentic faith is so important as kids get older, you know, so. For sure. I think that's so good. Mm-hmm. I, um, one thing that I wanted to add, because I love what you said too about God's kindness is I heard this week um, something that I thought was so, it was just a good reminder of um, our being compassionate and us showing Jesus's love. It's the same thing that you're saying, but talking about being on a hike with her, this girl was talking about being on a hike with her kids and her son was like, mom, can you please carry my backpack for a minute? Like it is so heavy. I want you to carry it. And so many parents would be like, you know, and she at first was like, no, buddy, you can carry it. You got it. You can yeah. do it. You know? And she's like, but then I thought, what if I was on this hike with my husband? And I was like, Judson, can you carry my backpack for a minute? It is so heavy. Like, do you mind carrying it for a second? And if he looked at me and said, you got it, you can do it. I'd be like, why are you being so mean to me? <laughs> and I was like, oh my word. It's, yeah. And she was like, there's just a really good balance and it's okay. Like, it's good to show your kids like, yes, I'm going to bend down and I'm going to take this for you and I'm going to carry it for you for a while, you know, and just like, That's we so don't good. always have to be so like hard and like, no, you can do it. You can do it. You but need like, to learn to be responsible. You wanted to bring that bag and you yeah. wanted to shovel those toys in there. You're going to carry it up this yeah. mountain. And there is a fine line. <laughs> I mean, you can do both. Like there's definitely a balance in that. But I just was like, oh, yeah, that's such a good point. I love that. (laughs) That's really good. Yeah, that is true. You just have to figure out the relationship. And some kids, you know, need more than others. Mm -hmm. And I found that my kids through different stages of their lives need different things. And, you know, I remember when my kids were younger and one thing that annoyed me so much, and I'm sure you guys probably get this, and it probably, I don't know if it annoys you or not, but it always annoyed me when parents that were like in my stage where their kids were older, you know, you would be struggling, you know, it's hard, especially physically when you have small children, you know, and emotionally you're just drained. And I remember you being that state and people would be like, Oh, just wait till they're teenagers, just wait till they're teenagers. And I just would always get so annoyed. Like, dude, I'm, that's not where I am right now. And why are you saying that to me? Like, instead of just acknowledging, yeah, it is hard when they're little like that. Like this, I know I get it. Um, and you know, each stage is different. And you know, when they're little, it's physically exhausting. I mean, just tired all the time. But when they get older, it's like more emotional. Like it's a different, you know, and it's figuring out how to parent them and how to walk that fine balance between letting them fail and, and holding their hands. So I just think that it's important to understand that like when kids are small and to acknowledge it's hard, like it's physically hard. You know, you don't get a lot of sleep. You're tired. And, you know, sometimes it's just being it's just being kind to yourself is so important when they're little, you know, like I remember people like some people can be so judgmental about like, Oh, don't let your kid sleep in the bed with you or don't let your kid do this or don't let your kid do that. But what I found is like, you got to do what works for you and give yourself grace. Like my kids, like we had a, we had a family bed for a while because you know what? I needed to get some sleep and I don't care where you sleep in this bed. As long as we go to bed, I don't care. You can sleep at the feet sleep over here you know and usually they would start in their bed by the end of the night we might have three kids in the bed but at least I'm sleeping you know I'm not going to go back in the room and let you cry it out for two hours you know I mean everybody's different but I think just being gracious with yourself and knowing that there's not just one right way to do things is important when they're little for sure. Definitely. That's good advice. I was going to, actually, my next question was going to be, what would you say to, you know, you're, you've gotten past the, the stage of that we're all in, but um, that was exactly what I was looking for, that just, you have to do what works yeah. for your family and you have to know that it's, it's tiring. But, and I think, like you said, everyone wants to say, just wait till you're here, just wait till you're there. But it's like, let's just all agree that being a mom is tiring, period. <laughs> Whether you have yeah. little kids or teenagers or adult children, being a mom is hard and it's, 
Yeah. It, um, <laughs> we interviewed someone a couple weeks ago and Christian, and she just said it is motherhood is the most refining process that we'll go through. Um, yeah. but, and so it, there's just so much to learn and it's, it's a challenge and it's a struggle, but it's, it's worth it in the end. Yeah, it definitely is. And you just be, you know, kind to yourself and, and, and realize that you're not going to get everything right. But I think just maintaining that relationship with your kids and at all costs, like that you have to protect above all else, you know, your kids are not always going to, um, you know, get everything right, but knowing that you love them and that you're there for them, no matter what, it's just so vital because then when they really need you, they're going to call you. And, you know, you, I'm sure you guys as adults, adults understand that having had a good relationship with your parents growing up, having them in that capacity in your life now is probably just so rewarding. And I think if you think about it, maybe if they had not maintained that relationship, where would it be now? How, how different your life would be, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm looking forward to as my kids get older and have their own kids. It's just being able to, you know, be that voice in their life, but also just be a cheerleader for them, you know? For sure. I think you're going to, I mean, I know how much your kids probably love you, but, and the only angle I've seen of this, I have, cause like I said, I don't know your kids well, but even your students as a teacher, your students all love you and see you as the mom to them. And I just think that so shows so much about how you treat others. And so I can't imagine if how much your kids, your students love you, how much your own children, how they view you and love you and respect you because you're just an amazing mom and friend and teacher okay. and all those things. So I, I appreciate that. Okay. Hannah, do you have any fun questions for Sarenda before we wrap it up? Um, I, I, yes, my fun question tonight would be, uh, <laughs> is there anything that you love lately that you've been like reading, watching, or listening to that you would, um, recommend maybe even in the last year? It doesn't have to be super recent. Hmm. Let me think about this. Are we talking about parenting stuff or are we talking about things oh, in general? anything, anything at all. Well, I do think it's important to find some things to do that you enjoy away from the kids, you know, because I think that helps to rebuild our, like, just to give us a little bit, like, get refuel our tank, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, and not just, I mean, spiritual, you need to refuel yourself spiritually, but you know what I've learned in the last five, six, seven years is I like to find me a good Netflix series, and I just like to watch it, mm -hmm. and occasionally, like, if I've had a hard week, I'll just take a few hours and binge watch something, and I couldn't have done that when the kids were little, especially, like, because half the stuff on Netflix you can't watch in front of your children, mm -hmm. um, but... I just think finding something that is almost like brain dead, but brings you joy and it's important, you know? So, um, I mean, I watched something kind of recently that I don't know that I recommend it, but, um, I have my kids read the fall of the house of usher and I just watched that. I don't know that I'd recommend it, but it was kind of fascinating. Um, they just put it on Netflix, but it has really, it's, it really deviates far from uh, the original story. So, and, you know, of course, they put a bunch of sexual deviance and stuff in there. So I don't know that I'd recommend it. <laughs> but I do think just find things that um, are going to bring you some type of joy and just maybe just the time to really relax and refresh yourself is important. Anyway, I don't know if that was a very good response. but No, it was. Anything. And my suggestion, I think Netflix is a great option. I'm a, I love to binge watch something. But I also would say this is my new thing and everyone should do it. It's not even new anymore because I've been doing it this whole summer. But the Libby app, do you have that, Sarinda? No, what is that? So it's the public library app for your phone. Oh, uh -huh. And so you can download books for free. And so it's, but they have audiobooks. So I have listened to like probably. Oh, I love audiobooks. Yeah, I've probably listened to 30 books in the last 
since June, all on the app. Um, oh, wow. I'm yeah. going to have to get that. And that's it awesome. is like, you just put your AirPods in. You Because that's the thing about TV for me. I have to, for, sometimes I have to be really focused. But with when I'm listening to a book, I can like be mopping or sweeping or folding laundry or making my bed. You, know, you can do anything while you're listening. And it is yeah. so good. And it's crazy how many books are on there. And like I said, it's totally free. So there's like... It's just awesome, and I would recommend it to every mom because I have I, I like love to read. I know everyone doesn't, but I love to read. But I always feel like I never even have a, a hand to hold the book in. Yeah, that that's kind of how I I feel that, and yeah. I like to listen to audiobooks because you can do it in the car, you can yes. do it while you're walking, you can multitask with that. So that's a good idea. Well, this was so fun. Thank you so much for coming well, on for having me. Thank you so much. Yeah, hopefully I answered your questions. <laughs> Absolutely. You're, I mean, a mom of seven and four of them have made it out of the house. You are a pro. <laughs> uh, well, thanks. Well, you guys just enjoy. I One thing I would say to young moms is just to enjoy, the, try to enjoy the stages. When things get hard, just try to really um, enjoy it because it does really go by quickly. That is one thing people say, and it doesn't feel like it when they're little. But when you blink, the next thing you know, they're like 18. And it goes, the older they get, the quicker it goes by. So, do try to enjoy every stage of their life because it does go by quickly. Absolutely. I already feel that. It goes so fast. Sunny just turned one and it was like shocking. I, I feel like she was just born. It's so weird. Your pictures were so cute. She Thank looks so you. sweet. She's so yeah. sweet. Awesome. She's a good baby. Well, it's nice to meet you, Hannah. Um, yeah, so <laughs> nice to meet you. I loved this. Thank you so much. This was so fun. All right, listeners, thank you so All much. Right. And um, we will talk to you next week.